Welcome back, Coyotes fans, to a, the first rendition of our Deadline Special. I have packed it up with some special guests, the usual crew. We have Haynes, or Haynes, sorry, we don't have Haynes. We got Grandy, we got Big Tortilla, we got Matt. We got a deadline going on. Boys, how are we doing? I'm doing hey. pretty good. Doing pretty good, doing pretty good. Uh, just excited to sit here and talk about the game. So, uh, but yeah, how about you, boys? Yes, indeed. I'm ready to put some graffiti on this shit, man. Do it. Uh, this is this is like my, I don't know, second or third favorite day out of the season when you're either in first place or towards the bottom. Trade deadline day, draft day, huge, huge, huge fan of them. A lot of fun. A little I bit more somber for us. But... I can't wait. Personally, I can't wait till the trade deadline gets a little bit more exciting for us on the other end and outweighs the draft. But. God, I can't wait either. That- it was. This is a tough one. This. This was. That, that will be. I hope so. So it looks like we had a couple of big ones bust. Uh, that sounds really inappropriate. Sorry, mom. Let me see here. Um, time I forget to put the notes up. The Red Bull Leipzig game is distracting me. Thank God for editing. Hey, Troy mm-hmm. Stetcher to Carolina, or Calgary. My bad, Calgary. Just now. Stetcher. Yeah, Stetcher to Calgary. Huh. Then we have Dunway to Dallas for a second rounder in 2025. Good way to make salary work. Penguins get Teddy. Is it Bluger? Bluger. So hang on before we keep going. So just one at a time, and then after reading one. Gotcha. Gotcha. No quick fire. Yeah. Exactly. Well, let's talk. Let's talk. Uh. Good so old quick, Domi. Quick answers. Quick answers. But, yeah. Okay. So Domi to Dallas yep. for a second round pick. What are you guys thinking of that? Good old former Coyote. Uh, I think it makes a ton of sense for Dallas. They got the win for, for me on this one. A speedy winger. That I question how much of his stuff is empty stats versus good because he's never really done well on competing teams, but Dallas does well enough here. I think they... I think they did well, Dallas. Uh, so probably definitely going for the tank. <laughs> okay. Good offense, but yeah. And then we have Penguins trade for Teddy. Is it Bluger or Bluger? I don't know the German. Teddy Bluger. Bluger. Okay, because I don't know if I have the umblot or not. Uh, to Vegas for third round pick in twenty twenty four. What do you guys? Is that sounds pretty good to me. I mean, I'm not really complaining if I'm I, it's either one. Even for both sides, yeah, yeah. It's, it's a depth player. It's a mid round pick. It's not, you know, I it's, it's I like it for both of them. It's Pittsburgh clearing salary. I mean, that's what it was making room for their other stuff. So, like it for both both teams as well. Yeah, it it doesn't really do anything for me. It's like, eh. fair <laughs> it, enough. Yeah, it, I get me. Sounds about right. Sure. Uh, then we have Sabres trading for Eric Portillo. Or Portillo. Hopefully it's not Portillo. Sorry. To Kings for third round pick in 2023. Which, I mean, again, same thing for me here. I'm just kind of like, yeah, sounds about right. Not really moved the needle either way for me. What about you boys? 
I think he's Sabres a great got a acquisition. Third. I think he's a great acquisition for uh, L.A. Uh, they're in major goalie issues here. But the Sabres weren't going to be able to sign him. He was going to be a UFA. So it's a huge get for both teams. Yeah, it's yeah. Sabres were Sabres got a third for somebody that was going to walk for free. Uh, Kings got somebody to bolster a non-existent prospect pool depth at goaltender. Both ways, good. Uh, I, I like it for the Kings for that very reason. Uh, get a good, good young goalie. See what he can become. In our next one, we got. Capitals trading Lars Eller with 31% of the salary retained to Colorado for a second-round pick in 2025. I'm actually, admittedly, not really too familiar with Lars Eller, so I'm assuming someone knows they're talking about, so that's all I got on that one. So the big thing about Lars Eller is he's he's like a point four point-per-game player, nothing major more of a depth guy, but he is an absolute monster in the playoffs. He scored two of the biggest goals in Capitals history, including the game-winning goal for their Stanley Cup run a couple years back. Um, I think this move helps add some center depth for Colorado. I, I like it for them quite a bit more than Washington. I think he's he's somebody they need if they want to look to repeat. I think I'm I, say... Oh, no, go ahead, Adam. My bad. I think it's just a sign that, you know, Washington's rebuilding and, uh, and yeah, I guess the being another center is always good, especially when you're on the playoffs. So, yeah, I mean, uh, so far I haven't been thrilled about anything. <laughs> what about? No, it's, it's, a, I like it for Colorado. Good defensive minded center who scores the big goals in the playoffs, as Matt said. It's this is a hundred percent a move for the playoff. He does really well playoff style hockey. And Mark came about the teams being cash struck. I mean, like a lot of these deals, even for the Coyotes, have been retaining, retaining, retaining. So that'll be a big thing we see as we go through the rest of the list. Uh, we have Capitals getting Marcus or trading, excuse me, Marcus Johansson to Minnesota for a third round pick in twenty twenty four. Grandy, you're the Minnesota local up there. What do you think of this one? So my whole family is wild fans, and they hate this deal. They do. So I'm going to give the edge to the Capitals as a result. Fair enough. Family votes. What about you, Matt? What, you got anything to add on that? I don't think they gave up a ton to get him, but I, I don't see him being a, a piece that pushes them over the top. It's kind of a wash to me, but I, I'm going to lean Capitals here because they're achieving more of their goal in this deal. And lastly, Mr. Tortilla, what you got? Yeah, it's definitely uh Capitals win there. I mean, I'd rather have the pick than anything else. Fair enough. Sorry, Marcus Johansson. I guess you're not, uh, not too popular here on the Chirpin' Yotes. Uh, Blue Jackets are training Gustav Nyquist, who's injured. To Minnesota for a fifth round pick in 2023, which was originally uh, Boston's pick. Mr. Tortilla, you know anything? Any uh, any fanship of Gustav Nyquist? No, I just like his name. <laughs> I do too. He's a YouTuber I like. Oh, Nyquist. That's his his name is yeah. namesake. So I like him too. Well, I mean, it, you know, it's just Washington's just rebuilding, and so hey, 
it is what it is. And, you know, you always, just like us, get that capital going. Fifth rounder right. in 2023. Yeah. They got, they got a fifth rounder for a player that was hurt and may not play again in the regular season. Minnesota was one of the only teams that could actually pull this off because they had the cap space to take them in. And the NHL had kind of been over on that. So it's, it is what it is. Both teams kind of just make them just yeah anyways it is what it is with it for the price they paid i like it for minnesota um like what grandy said they they kind of had an inside track here because they had the cap space to fit him without needing him to shelf on ltir and potentially you know incur some penalties from the league if they tried to activate him right when the playoffs started so i do like it for them i i think he could be a helpful piece especially at the price. And now, Matt, it says here we have an Edmonton training a Jesse Pujuvari. Hope I didn't Pugliari. butch that. Sorry, sir. <laughs> Jesse Thank Pugliari. you. To Carolina for a Patrick Puistola, who's unsigned and his rights expire this year. Um, and it looks like a Liga thing there. So what do you think about that? We'll start with you. Ultimately, this is a, a salary dump by Edmonton to make other moves. But what's interesting about it is uh, Pogliarvi, he was a third overall pick. He hasn't fit in with Edmonton. Um, I think Carolina's real good about grabbing uh, players and kind of getting out of them what other teams couldn't. So this is more of a boomer bust thing, but I think he could he could explode for them. And this would look like a massive steal. Honestly, what this reminds me of is when the Avalanche got Valerie Nichiskin, a guy who was strong defensively, just lacked a little bit of the scoring touch, just couldn't finish to save his life, and goes to a team that plays the style of hockey he's going to be strongest at. I think he's going to fit in really well there, and it's Edmonton didn't get anything but cap space for him. They turned that cap space into something, so they accomplished their goal. But overall, I think Carolina comes out a pretty clear winner here. It's Jesse Poliari. That dude, he needed out of there bad. I mean, they're like, no, we don't like you for whatever reason. They they just never really gave him a shot, and it just affected him like no other. And he just needed to get out of there. He needed a new place to shine. He can do it without any pressure on his back. You know, he's going to – basically, he's writing a new resume, so when he is a free agent, he can sign somewhere. It's a big win for him. And Carolina is going to – you know, they're going to like him. They may resign him. But, you know, it's a big win for Poriari. Sounds like a pretty good trade. From uh, You heard it here, folks. Uh, looks like we got the Blues trading an Ivan Barbashev to Vegas for a Zach Dean. Very hard name to pronounce. Uh, Mr. Ortia, what do you what do you know about uh, Zach Dean and Ivan Barbashev? What you got for us? Nothing on Barbashev, uh, but or, uh, I'm all confused now. <laughs> <laughs> it's early, and I had a lot of drink last night. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, you know, I. Vegas, you know, I was doing Vegas things, you know. So, I don't know. I, I, I can't call it like an alcoholic right now. <laughs> Fair enough. Okay, we'll take that. Grandy, Professor Grandy, put on your shades for us. What you got? 
I think this is a really strong deal for St. Louis. This sounds like there's a chance Barbership holds a Antoine. Maybe, maybe not. We'll see. But he was an expiring free agent. They got a former first round pick for, and it's a four first round pick. May not be the best. Looks like he's got solid third liner written all over him. So they need those too. So. Yeah, I, I 100% agree with what Grandy says there. Um, I I think it's a a great piece for St. Louis, especially with what Doug Armstrong wants to do over there, just kind of retool the roster and, you know, get going with the young core that they've already got in place. I like Zach Dean being a, a bottom six guy for them in the future. I, I give St. Louis the win on that one. So between, now we have a tree between Dallas and, and what do you call that place? Uh, Montreal. Excuse me, the name escaped me, genuinely. Uh, we have the Canadiens trading Evengi Dadnov, retaining 50% of his salary, to Dallas for Denis Gurianov. Uh, Mr. Matt, what do you got on that one? This is a great trade for both players. I don't think it matters much to either team, but both these guys needed restarts. Uh, Gurianov's had some great numbers in the past, but kind of fell out of favor in Dallas. Dadnov was fantastic for a couple of seasons with Florida, um, had some issues in Vegas, went to Montreal, seemed kind of disinterested, back on a, a contending team. It, it's a good chance for both of them to kind of rejuvenate their careers. Yeah, I agree with Matt. I think Montreal can become a big winner of this if Garyanov comes back to his old self. That's a pretty big if, though. So... It's just, and Dallas cleared up a little bit of the cap space that they then turned around and used in a later transaction as well. So, again, both teams just got what they wanted with this deal. And lastly, I like it for Dallas. Yeah, I don't know if he can re- find his way back in, in Montreal. That's going to be a lot to, uh, a lot of pressure on him right there. So um, if he's ha- tr- la, 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 la. If he's struggling in Dallas, you know, I don't see it happening in Montreal. So now we have the Rangers, who are I'm, I'm saying probably one of the scariest teams out there in the East. You know, of course it's fully loaded, but we got them trading Vitaly Kratzkov, excuse me, to Canucks for a seventh round pick in 2026. Obviously, a cap dump for Patrick Kane, Mr. Grandy, sir. What you got for us? I just, it was, I think it was a great value move by Vancouver. One I kind of wish the Coyotes would have taken up on is just acquiring a very high risk, but very high reward type player with Vitaly Kravtsov. Um, Maybe he doesn't become anything, goes back to Russia at the end of the year, but the returns are already looking pretty good for Vancouver two games, and he's been a very solid player for them already. Uh it's just, it was a high-risk, high-reward chance that Vancouver took, and New York cleared salary to go out and get Vancouver, or not Vancouver, to go out and get Kane. The teams accomplished what they wanted, but Vancouver could become a real winner of that deal. And you got Mr. Matt, you were there in New York, so what do you think this uh, trade kind of went down as? How are you feeling over there? Oh, you just got back, sorry. Yeah, I'm I'm back home. Uh, you know what, I, I definitely like it for... Vancouver um there was always potential that uh Kratsov was going to go back overseas playing the KHL 
Um, that really, really killed his value when other teams were showing some interest. So I, I think Vancouver took a chance. He's played well there. Um, not giving anything away towards the end of the show, but he'll be kind of an example uh, used when we talk about Schmaltz a little bit later. Mr. Adam, what you got for us, sir? Uh, um, it definitely uh, it definitely helps Vancouver, um, but is it enough? No. Uh, that team has real problems. Uh, I Yeah, it I don't know if he goes back to the KHL. He may stay. You know, just getting out of New York may be the the thing that he actually needed. Um, and of course, you know, New York did what they did to make the space. So, but I I think I like it for Vancouver more. Yeah, I agree with that. I I do think a big part of his struggles there was not getting top six minutes, and he's definitely going to get that in Vancouver. That that might be what it takes to deter him from going back overseas. Well, change of scenery is always nice, you know. We've seen a lot of people rebound when they come play for us, so hopefully same for him. Uh, looks like in a similar move, we have the Senators moving Zaitsev, a second-round pick in 2023, and a six-rounder in 2026 to Chicago for future considerations. What a player, that future considerations. Absolute monster. Uh, which obviously was a cap dump for Chikrin. Uh, Mr. Tortilla. You, uh, you Senators guy? What, what do you think? I think it's, you know, it is what it is. It's just the cap dump to get Chikrin. Uh, but Chicago, you know, they're, they're basically following our motto. to get as many picks as you, as you can get to rebuild. And so, I mean, that, you know, if they follow our motto, maybe they'll be the second best team behind us. <laughs> Ooh, okay. Nick Ritchie to Nick Ritchie to Calgary as well. Just happened. Connor, oh. Mackey and Cal- Connor Mackey and Brett Ritchie in return. So we got Nick Ritchie's brother in return for him. That's kind of just funny. wear the same jersey. Just leave a jersey in the locker. Just pick it up. I mean, same last name, right? So just leave it there. Perfect. Look well, at that. Live on the air. You better watch that damn jersey. <laughs> I wouldn't. If it was my brother moving in? Nah, I leave that shit the nastiest. I wouldn't watch for like a week. No one. Uh, Mr. Matt, what oh. do you think, sir? uh well on on both fronts um i i like what ottawa did here getting rid of zaitsev but if you add that acquisition cost um to what they paid for chikrin um that dump on zaitsev actually hurts them a little bit uh i do like what chicago's doing Uh, it's a great acquisition for them grabbing more future um i i'm going chicago in a big way on that one yeah same Chicago is just stacking picks just like we are Um, this is how you rebuild right it sucks I hate to see Chicago doing it right I really wish that they would try to take a few shortcuts but they're just they're rebuilding right and um, yeah they're, they're stacking picks really well man they really are uh, but Again, it's hard not to like it, though, for Ottawa, too, because they did get Chikrin as a direct result of this trade. It's, I wonder if the uh, Coyotes in Chicago become the titans of the Central Division in a couple of years. You know, you find them, and my hatred of them will continue to grow. So, can't wait for that. So, now, just a quick... Uh, let's see here. 
The next note slide says, we got some Toronto player that's on the move. Do you guys think they are better going forward? Are they going to beat Boston, you think? Quick break from the ticker reel. What do you guys think of Toronto's latest moves? I read that right. I translate that right, yeah. So my my big thing is I think Toronto was a relatively solid team, you know, with one of the better shots at beating Boston out of the East as it was. And I actually think they did too much. They changed too much of their team. Um, you know, they brought in Ryan O'Reilly, which was a great move. Um, Noel Lachari, he's a good depth player. You bring in Luke Shen, you bring in Jake McCabe, uh, Sam Lafferty, Eric Gustafson, you bring in all of these players and you've changed a third of the lineup that you played 75% of the season with already. Um, you know, that's that's a, a considerable change. And then they spent a lot on making these acquisitions. You know, they, they sent out a couple of first-round picks, uh, a couple of second-round picks, third-round pick. Rasmus Sandin, who was, you know, he was supposed to be their, one of their defensemen in the future. Um, they move Pierre Ingvall, who's been there for a while, Adam Gaudet, who's been there for a while. I, I honestly think these moves hurt them more than help them. Granted, they're still going to rely on their top six. It's a great top six, but I think they got some issues that they're going to have to grow into, and hopefully they don't uh, before the playoffs start because I'd love to see Tampa beat them again. But I, I think they did too much here. I agree Ready? 100% with Matt actually on that. It's I think they would have been perfectly okay had they just... Not even okay. I think they would have been great had they just made the Ryan O'Reilly, Noel Atari moves and then made the Jake McCabe and Sam Lafferty moves. Lafferty and Achari supplying depth. Ryan O'Reilly giving them that really strong three centers down the middle or giving you the ability to move Tavares to the wing as Tavares showed in the last playoffs might need to happen with McCabe giving them a good defensive. I think if they had stopped there, this would have been a killer deadline for them. Every other move they made just seemed like it was shuffling deck chairs for no reason. I really like Sandine. I really like him. I think his biggest problem has been he hasn't gotten the playtime. They wouldn't give him top four minutes. So as a result, he just kind of floundered on the bottom pair. But even then, his underlying numbers were really strong. I think trading him away is a move that could come back to bite them pretty strongly. And for what? A pick that looks like it's going to be the 32nd pick in the draft and a power play guy, essentially, a power play specialist? I just... They did way too much tinkering at the end there, and it just felt like felt like they needed if they were going to do that much tinkering you might as well go out and strengthen the goaltending and as the deadline has now passed we've seen they haven't so you still have a question in the net and you messed up or not messed up you messed around with a lot of the bottom of your roster I may before or to you before you you know give your thoughts on that do you think these moves were 
an act of desperation, like they desperately want to get to that second round slash Sunday Cup run, or what do you think? Do I think there were so many moves made and so much tinkering and so many fingers in the pie? What would be your number one guess there? Because the GM's fired if they don't get past the first round of the playoffs. Or not fired, he's not extended if he doesn't get past the first round of the playoffs. So none of this matters to him because it's this year or bust. Anything to add, Matt, before uh, Tortilla gives his thoughts? I, I agree with Grandy on that. This is kind of, you know, GM on his way out because they they basically come to him and said, uh, you know, prove it or, you know, we're going to move on and find somebody else because you haven't achieved what, you know, what we want. So, yeah, I I do think this is a big deal. Um, uh, this is and it, and it really is too much tinkering. I mean, I don't think Jake McCabe is much of an upgrade over. Uh, Rasmus send in, so I, I do think they made a couple of crucial mistakes by by trying to go out and acquire too many players. And for uh, it looks like we have Wild getting Oscar Sundquist from Red Wings for a 2023 first fourth round pick. I don't know if he said that already, but I just saw the ticker come up my ESPN. So, Mr. Tortilla, what do you think of the Toronto situation, sir? I think it's terrible. Meaning shit. <laughs> I don't like it at all. I think this was a pure I'm trying to save my ass kind of move. He messed with that locker room. He messed with everything. He didn't really address anything. You know, he basically brought in some big names and you're like, ooh, ah, that's great, you know, whatever. But you know what? At the end of the day, he didn't fix anything. He just added a little here and let someone gets hurt, then the O'Reilly deal looks good. Other than that, he didn't really do anything. The back end, I don't like it. Sundin should have been playing more. That's what you drafted him for. You drafted him to be a, a big-time D-man, and you don't give it to him? Oh, yeah, I try not to swear because I got called out last time. Uh, <laughs> you know, oh, my gosh. I hate... And I'm not, yeah. trying to be, hate, I'm not trying to hate on Toronto because I have I friends that are Toronto friends, but, God, man, what are your team doing, eh? I mean, I... I don't like it. <laughs> Randy, John Klingberg to Minnesota. Oh, I like John yeah, Klingberg. Have you seen the return yet? I have not. I like Klingberg. I got it. The thing, so just as real quick, as I live in Minnesota, as I have wild fans that are family, that I want to do say, though, I, I don't like this trade for Minnesota because Addison was performing really well as their power play quarterback has recently gotten demoted because the coach wanted to go with more veteran players, and this just continues to block him and his progression, which they're going to need as they look to replace Matt Dumba and, while at the end of the year, John Klingberg. So I don't know if I necessarily like that for Minnesota, but we'll see on it. It feels like he's a replacement for Alex Goligoski. Um, and the role that Goligoski played there more so than Addison. Um, uh, that's that's how I would look at it until I see a, what the return is for it. I do like it from Minnesota, that provided they didn't give up too much to get him. I like that was a soft spot for John Klingberg. I, I followed him when he was like Texas. I was seeing him grow up, I'm just kind of a little soft spot. You know, they got the same age, I think, but grow up in terms of, you know, professional hockey well that's good i like minnesota too the jerseys are sick maybe even that adidas sale happens might have to pick me up one or something if he hopefully stays in a year for that to happen so okay on to the next shall we 
Looks like we got names here. Let me see what we got. All right. Um, I'm reading here. Make sure I don't say this wrong. So it says here. I'll read it verbatim. In Ryan O'Reilly, Noel, 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 Hari, Luke Wait. Shen, boss. We have, yeah, we already talked about this. Did we, okay, that's like you said. Not familiar. Okay, yeah, yeah that's no, right. I see it now. I follow. I follow. Gotcha, gotcha. I now follow you. Okay, cool. Thank God for the power of editing. All right, so we got Boston going in. We added Orlov, Hathaway. Oh, and Hathaway plays the Boston Bruins. It's wild. And uh, Tyler Bertuzzi. Potential weaknesses. Clear favorite. And then also Pasternak, Pasta himself, got an 8 by 11.25 extension. Matt, since you were the creator of these notes, shall we hear what you have to say first? Um. So I, I actually like what Boston did here. I Initially, when they were in on Chikrin, I thought it'd be a great thing for them. Um, the more I've kind of sat back and look at what Boston's done, they're by far the best team in the league. I, I still don't think they've lost 10 games in regulation yet this year. Um, I like the fact that they did enough to make some minor improvements without upsetting um, the core of that locker room. Um, they didn't bring any anybody in to take over that second line center spot from David Krejci. Um, you know, they didn't bring in Chikrin, who's you know he'd be playing that top left defensive role um, where McAvoy and Lindholm have done real well. Or I'm sorry, where um, Lindholm and um, Grizzly have done real well. So there's there's a lot to be said about doing just a little and improving your team without disrupting anything. I like the Tyler Bertuzzi move a lot. Um, he doesn't have any playoff experience yet, but he's he plays a style that you want in the playoffs. He's almost... I mean, they, they really added Brad Marchand light with Tyler Bertuzzi, so now when teams are playing Boston and you're looking at Brad Marchand out there and you're... You're watching him piss off everybody that he's playing against. Well, now there's two of them, and that's that's got to be a, a mental mindfuck for other teams who have to play Boston. You now have to deal with two guys like that. So I I do like the fact that that they added quite a bit outside of the guys that are going to carry them. And to add to that, you were right. Uh, is 48, 8, and 5 at the time of this recording. So, off the top of the head, that's pretty pretty awesome. So, uh, Mr. Tria, are you feeling Boston? You like Boston? Oh, you were from a Boston fan. So, how do you think about this? That's right. I remember from the episode. Uh, you were. Yeah, I was. Uh, but, uh, unlike Toronto, they did just enough. You know, they didn't overdo it. They didn't, you know, they didn't stick it in the oven and forget about it. Uh, they just kept going, and I like these moves. Um, they, I, they, they're just doing Boston things. And to prove they want to win it, they're going to bolster everything up just for, just the way they want it. <laughs> uh, so I like it. And they really didn't lose anything. So, yeah, I like it for Boston. They're my favorite. Pretty scary. Yeah, Boston Rangers are my favorite on the East. So, Grandy, what you got, sir? I don't see how they didn't 
kill this deadline. I mean, Orlov is an absolutely fantastic fit for the role that they needed him to play. He plays that to perfection and is an incredibly one of the most underrated players in the league, in my opinion. So to see him finally get some recognition is nice. Um, And to add to Matt's point about Bertuzzi and Marchand being there to piss them off. Now you also have Hathaway on the fourth line that's going to piss you off as well. He is an absolute just monster to play against on that fourth line because he's so physical and he's so grinding and he is so trash-talking. Just that little bit of a dirty edge that you hate playing up against. Um, It's a really strong depth move. And then they announced that they're going to be without Taylor Hall essentially for the rest of the regular season and acquire a guy who should step into that role for the regular season. No issue moving down a line and making them in that much deeper come playoffs um, in Bertuzzi. He's going to, they're just going to be a really good team and they are incredibly scary to look at playing in the playoffs. I just, there's not a team in the league. I would sit here and take over them without an absolute dominating performance from a goaltender. So Boston looks real good going into these playoffs, man. From the standpoint of, um, you know, who's the team you don't want to play right now. It's, it's definitely Boston. Depending on, what model you might subscribe to here. Um, I believe on Dom Lachushkin had uh, used his model to predict that Toronto has the best odds of beating Boston in a seven game series of any team in the league at just 38%. Um, only four teams come in above 30% on his model. It's their year. If they don't win it this year, it's, it's a tragedy for that city. And what a what a swan song to go out on because this is more than likely Bergeron's last or second to last year. He's not going to be around forever. If Bergeron goes, I'd have to imagine Krejci goes back to Cheka too. Um, just what a swan song to go out on if they do win, and I'm kind of rooting for them too because how can you not like Patrice Bergeron? How can you not like Charlie McAvoy? We're not going to talk about Brad Marchand, but yeah, I like Brad Marchand. There's just so much. There's just so much on that team that is so fun. People like Brad Marchand if they're on, if he's on their team, you know, that kind of thing. But he's not, unfortunately. I like him too. Yeah, I think it's probably every year. I, I agree with you guys on that. But um, so Nashville, I think, is are they probably the best at securing assets here? You think? Yeah, I think they did the best job of any team uh, who was selling this year. Um, they uh, So they brought in a first-round pick in 2023 and 2025, um, second-round pick in 23, two second-round picks in 24, a third-round pick in 23, a fourth-round pick in 23 and 24, a fifth-round pick in uh, 2023, they bring in Cal Foot, who was 14th overall in 2017. They get Reed Schaefer, who was 32nd overall in last year's draft. They get Tyson Berry, who I was thinking they 
could have flipped before the deadline, but they chose not to. Um, and they get Isaac Ratcliffe, um, former first-round pick, for future considerations. Um, and all they sent out is Matthias Ekholm, Mikel Granlin, Nino Niederreiter, Tanner Janot, and a sixth-round pick. They absolutely stocked their cabinets full of former high first-round picks and multiple picks over the next three years, and and they only lost five five players, uh, five assets to do so. I I don't see where there was anybody who had a more successful deadline in accomplishing what they wanted to do. It's a rather remarkable. I will say part of it is luck because getting Tampa to fork up that much. It's just having a guy like Janot who fit Tampa's what they look for every deadline that well helps a lot. But still, even with that, they just they didn't touch a single core player of their team. Not one. They can still either choose to move them or try to do a reset, which I think would be a mistake personally if they try to do a reset like you're seeing in Washington and St. Louis. But they have options come draft. David Poyle in his last big act as GM made the job a lot easier for uh who is it Trotz is replacing him? Right? Yeah. Trotz. Yeah, he's made the job a lot easier on Trotz going into the next year. He set Trotz up really well to run with this thing. All right. <laughs> Adam, you're you're up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um Yeah, I mean I think uh, it was Cap Friendly said that they have the most uh, picks followed by us um, in this deadline. So, yeah, that's good. I mean, we talked about Chicago, you know, following the motto. Uh, Got to throw in uh, Nashville. So does that mean the Central is going to be the beast in the next couple of years? I mean, well, obviously, because Pacific said nothing. So, and then with Trotz coming in, you know, like you said, you know, he was set up really well. I mean, he the only way he could blow it is if he ships stuff out, but he ain't going to do that. He ain't that stupid. So, yeah, I mean, yeah, I would say they killed it. I think another big team I, I think killed I think they're one of my favorites, maybe besides Boston, would probably be the, the Blue Shirts, the New York Rangers over there. We got Patrick Kane going over there, um, reuniting with uh, Panarin. Um, Matt, what do you think? Do you feel pretty high on, on the blue shirts? You think they're just going to kind of just it's it's Boston's year? They're just screwed. What do you think? <laughs> I I I don't want to say they're kind of screwed. They're definitely screwed. Um, Boston's most likely going to be the team out of the East, but I love a lot of the moves they made. Um, getting Tarasenko, getting Kane. Um, unfortunately, the the only Loss, I think they had there was moving Kratz off for next to nothing. Um, but yeah, I, I love what, what New York did. Um, the acquisition cost for Patrick Kane didn't even cost them a first round pick, it's a conditional second, conditional fourth. Um, you know, it it's helpful to Arizona. Arizona gets a third round pick out of it for retaining some money on Kane. Um, I, I like what they did. Their, their top six might be. Uh, you know, might rival what Toronto has. Um, 
they don't have their own Austin Matthews, but I think they've got six complete guys as opposed to a very, very strong four, uh, you know, with a fifth guy, you know, maybe being Ryan O'Reilly or something like that. But I, I do like New York's top six more than than just about anybody else right now. I think their biggest hurdle, um, it, it's going to be coaching, GM, management. I, I don't think that roster has a lot of holes, but I do think that team finds a way to shoot itself in the foot quite frequently. And all They're of also this stuck is, in an East, too. The East is yeah, just and, so loaded with weapons. I mean, and all of this is without even mentioning that they've got Shisterkin in net. They've got probably the the second or third best goalie in the in the entire league right now sitting there. So there's there's so much potential for that team if that team could get out of its own way. Do they grant you high on the Rangers? It's hard not to be because they added two power team. But at the same time, the East is such a bloodbath. Does this do anything other than maybe make them even with Carolina? I mean, it's it's so hard to put everything in perspective when the top four teams in the NHL are all out in the East right now. All four of them. Um, the number one team, or not, sorry, not the number one team, the number two team in the West, or maybe it is the number one team. I can't remember right now, but one of those two would be a wild card team in the East right now. It is a bloodbath and then some. Um, but it's... Just, just to, to answer them. that, Grandy, the number one team out West right now is Dallas at 79 points. Uh, they'd be number six in the East. Thank you. So, oh. yeah, it's it's brutal. The West or the East is absolutely brutal this year at the top. Um, but sorry, and real quick, just to add them... on, just to add on that, at number six, Dallas is twenty five points behind Boston. Oh my god, that just goes to show. Wow. Yeah, it's Boston. That's, and that's what. But I will say this is going to be an incredibly fun team to watch. Watching Patrick Kane pass to Mika Zabinajad and uh, Panarin and having Tarasenko and Kreider. And, oh, it's going to be so fun to watch. Like, their games are going to be appointment viewing almost from here on out. So, Oh, for sure. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Adam, what's your thoughts on it, though? I think, you know what, I'm not sure how they'd fall out in the playoffs. I've been paying attention to the Yotes too much. But if they played each other in the playoffs, whatever round, I'm jumping back in my time machine, I'm getting a VCR, and I'm coming back and I'm recording that whole fucking series. Because <laughs> <laughs> there's going to be a, as Jim Ross was asked, <laughs> I love this, man. They're going to come up short, but they're going to be a beast. It's so funny because every other year, it would be so hard not to say a team with Shesterkin and Adam Fox and Mika Zabinajan and Artemi Panarin isn't the favorite, but this 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 year is just Boston is so good. It's just it, they're so good. These playoffs are going to be absolutely fantastic to watch in absolute again appointment viewing every round, especially in the East. Um. 
unless just, you're uh, ESPN first take. Game. Did you guys see uh, that? ESPN first take said that was ridiculous. On live on the air, having the NL contract. Uh, that doesn't count. Oh my lord. Anyways, Matt, what you got, sir? So uh, I want to say it was uh, John Butchergross that that uh, tweeted this out, but. The top five teams uh, in term, or sorry, top five games in terms of lowest price to go watch the game uh, the rest of this week. Only three of them, uh, I believe, were over $100 on the secondary market. This isn't box office prices. Um, Arizona and New Jersey happened to, to come in March 5th at third at like $144, uh, being the cheapest resale seat. Um, wow. I believe it's New Jersey and New York. The cheapest ticket to get into the building is $260 on the resale market okay. right now. And I don't that doubt that. That is the yeah. worst seat in the house. And it's $250 a ticket. Out East, it's getting crazy, and people want to go see those games. Those games are going to be epic. Amazing. ESPN, this is your time to market it. This is it. This is the time. To really market it, because this this is going to be, I mean, amazing hockey. I can't, I can't wait. Um, so speaking of the East, speaking out, keeping it out there, the Devils got Timo Meyer. Now let me get the trade details. Should those open up? My mistake. Looks like the Sharks get a first round pick in twenty three and twenty four. So that's this year, next year, a seventh rounder in this year, twenty three. Here, I'll not pronounce that last name. I don't want to butcher that any more than I already have. Twentieth uh, overall in twenty. In 2020, I, I believe it's Muka Madulin, Shakir Muka Madulin, Shakir oh. Muka Madulin. Okay, who was again 20th overall selection in 2020? Uh, Fabian or Fabian Zitterland, uh, Nikita. I oh my goodness, uh, Akatu. Thank you. I believe is is the pronunciation. And Andreas Johnson. Thank you for the easy to pronounce name. And the Devils uh, obviously Johnson. getting it's Timo actually... Meyer. Oh, yeah, Johnson. Okay. Johnson. Well, I guess he wasn't <laughs> on my back after all. Yeah, I'm sorry about that. I'm sure your parents are going to send me an angry email. Yeah. Uh, and then Devils get Timo Meyer and a few E-level prospects. They did not make it easy on me this year. I'll tell you that. Uh, so you know, uh, I think we started real with- quick before we go. Before we start, I do want to say Matt did take it easy on you because he could have listed the prospects that the New Jersey yeah, got. Thank God, uh, and that's even worse. The only the only easy one there would have been Scott Harrington, who, ironically, the Devils waved that day and Anaheim picked up. Oh boy, it's been a tough one, but Mr. Torta. Since you actually helped build the San Jose Arena, there, why don't you tell us what you think about them letting go of Timo Meyer? I think the build is still going to go on. <laughs> uh, it helps. It definitely helps, but uh, it's the, they're they're at the start, you know, the beginning. Tio Meyer is going to be missed there, uh, but they had to be done. I mean, that team, uh, I know for a fact in San Jose, they, they expect nothing but the best. And even though they haven't really done it so much, but that's what they expect. So for that, yeah, I, I like it. Um, and for New Jersey, you know, it's not going to be their year, but it's the start of their coming year. You know, it. It's going to boost that team. I mean, look at that lineup. I mean, that's a future team. <laughs> if you're a Devils fan, you got to be super excited. I'd be stoked. I get a Meyer jersey as a Devils fan for sure. Absolutely. Uh, Grandy, 
What are you thinking? You like it? Hate it? Love it? I like it, but I do want to point out one thing, too, just because this is going to come up in a later conversation. A very later conversation that the second I say this, we'll all know what I'm talking about. But Go on. the immediate reaction to this is how underwhelming the return was, because that was a theme this trade deadline. Everyone kind of said that they were talking about two first round picks and a prospect going back to them. And I mean, everybody was talking about the underwhelming return San Jose got after it. I didn't think the return was that bad personally. I liked it for San Jose. They didn't get any of New Jersey's A level prospects, but Shakir McCool. I'm not even going to try. Shakir should be a good third. <laughs> it's not just defenseman. me, thank God. <laughs> Feel better about that. <laughs> the worst part is, is I've said it right in the past, so I can say it, and for whatever reason, I'm tripping over my own tongue right now. So I'm just not, not even going to say it. I don't think I'm going to be much more than a third pairing defenseman. But I just think we're they got stuff. Yeah, there we go. Uh, <laughs> they got stuff to start the rebuild. They got stuff to move the rebuild forward, and that's the important part for a guy who. I already told him there was a and Timo must have such a perfect fit in Jersey. It is amazing how well he's going to fit in there. It's going to be, they're going to be a team to watch for years to come. And we're sitting here talking about the East. There were what? Seven for the East right now? Uh, can, you, can you look that up, Tyler? But, I got you right uh, here. I'll pull it up. But, uh, yeah, the double standings. They're third in the East. Jeez Louise. I wish I was an East fan. This, Good Lord. Yeah, oh my. They're, they're one point back from Carolina and 16 points back from Boston. Oh, yeah. Confirm one right there. Yep. Carolina. I see that. Yep. That's that's going to be insane. Right now, 86 and 85 points, respectively. Oh, they're slated. Right now, they're slated. Play the range because. I kind of, I really hope that stays because that will be a incredible first series. So, but yeah, the rivalry just, there is. I'm not even saying it, it's but like else. looking at it here right now, seeing Boston at 101 points and the second place guy having 84 points is crazy. I know we've been talking about it. I I know my brain is like yeah, but like when you see it, like holy crap, dude! 101, 84, and 79, the top. And that's the Atlantic. So I guess the second guess we got would actually be 86. Sorry, but still 86 points as compared to that is just ridiculous. We have our Coyotes sitting at, you know, 51. Almost there. We almost got them. We're right there at the heels, baby. Depending on... Scratching and clawing, baby. We can come back. We can come back, baby. It's comeback season. It can happen. I'll just put up my box and play NHL 23. Sticking with that gap, depending on on how Boston plays over the next eight or nine games, they could realistically clinch the president's trophy with more than 10 games to go. I I can't remember the last time that's ever happened. If that's ever happened. The only time I've ever seen a team this dominant was the year Tampa. I'll say, yeah, Tampa Bay. Tampa Bay had that dominant year where they then got swept by the Blue Jackets, but that... Never felt like this. That never felt anywhere like this. Boston is a completely different level. This team is just amazing. And I will say, 
my worst take I may have had in my entire career, Uh-oh. if you want to call it a career, was saying at the start of the season that Boston was going to miss the playoffs. So you all can just go ahead and roast me for that right now. Oh, so it's your I did say that. And it's it's not fault. even you. It's not even you. There were, there were Metropolitan fans. We got the man right here. in main media that made the same prediction you did that Boston wasn't going to make the playoffs. But this goes to show, though, like how I'll say volatile for lack of a word, that sports really is. I mean, you've got the clear, and like you said, I mean, Boston was not going to make the playoffs, but now look at them 101 points in, on March 3rd. That is, that's crazy. That's what makes it fun, too. They, they could that lose off, but... every game the rest of the way, and they're still making the playoffs. They, they could go on a 20 game losing streak and make the playoffs. Which is why yeah, they they're the new team this trade deadline that did not protect their first round pick. Yeah, I wouldn't uh, care. New, yeah, if I was Boston, New Jersey I care. at New Jersey at third in the league, top two protecting their pick that went back to San Jose. I mean that if that uh, doesn't tell you how good Connor Bedard is, mm-hmm. then the number three team in the league would protect their their first round pick going back. I, I don't know what to tell you there, but um, I, I do love this trade for New Jersey. Uh, it's important to mention that they've already gone out and said that they, they feel like they're not going to have any problem re-signing Timo Meyer. Um, New Jersey was reported to already be in the 8 by 8.5 range. Uh, Timo Meyer looking in the 8 by like 9 to 9.5 range. So they're already close. Um, he is an RFA, even though his qualifying offer is $10 million. He's not going to sign a 1 by 10 deal. Um, you know, he, he wants term. So the, the cost of the qualifying offer doesn't matter to me. Uh, New Jersey's going to get something with Timo Meyer done. You add him to that core with Jack Hughes, with Nico Heischer, Dawson Mercer, Jesper Bratt. Um, you know, th- this team is pointed straight up, and that doesn't even get into the defensive prospects that aren't even in the league right now in Luke Hughes and Simon Nemich. They're, my God, this team's going to be unreal for three to five years until they run into some of the cap issues that they have. Um, their biggest hole right now is going to be at goaltending, but it may not matter because right now they're giving up just shy of what 23 shots a game they're one of the best shot suppression teams in the league um if there's anybody out of the east that i think is going to contend with boston new jersey would be my pick matt brought up what i was going to jump in and say so i so we could move along okay all right cool i was was waiting i was like good good? okay okay well yeah tortilla any last thoughts before we carry on to vancouver no (laughs) okay fair size all right so now we have we have Vancouver. Um, I guess out there doing their best. I'll call it. Uh, looks like they gave up uh, the Islanders' first rounder and their own second round pick for Hronik and a fourth round pick, in addition to the poor return for good old Bo Horvat. Um, and that's yeah. So Vancouver. Probably the bigger dumpster fire than any Arizona sports team right now, I think. Maybe any team right now in North American sports. Slightly better than Chelsea, I'd say. So that's not North American, but fair enough. Uh, Matt, what you got, sir? I have no idea 
what they're doing out there. It seems like it doesn't matter who their VP of hockey ops is. It doesn't matter who the general manager is. Um, the team constantly puts themselves in cap hell. Every time they make a couple of good moves, like getting getting the Islanders first round pick, um, you know that that's going to be a mid round pick this year. Uh, it is top ten protected, I believe. So you know, if it was a lottery pick, you know, it defers to the next year. But why why are you moving uh, a potential? mid-round first round pick in 2023 for Philip Heronic. Um are you trying to retool? Are you trying to rebuild? You just traded away the face of your franchise. You kind of signaled that the rebuild was starting. You've talked about buying out Connor Garland if you can't find a trade partner for him. Uh Brock Besser and his agent have been given permission to seek out a potential trade. Um you know they're they seem to be willing to let just about everybody other than uh, uh I can't speak today uh Pedersen and Quinn Hughes go, but you know then they turn around and add a you know a piece that you would use in a retool which and I don't understand this from Detroit's point of view either I think they should have held on to Ronick, but um you. You grab a piece that you could use in a retool, you give up huge assets for it, and you don't have the cap space to add anybody else. Um, you know, in addition to moving Bo Horvat and getting a relatively underwhelming return for his services, uh, this is just another trade in a long list over the last couple of years for Vancouver. I don't know where they're going or what they're trying to achieve at this point, but. It's it's a mess. It's a horrible mess over there. Do you think the biggest thing would be ownership? Maybe is it just ownership, just not just being like, hey, just get enough sell tickets and that's it? Or do you think it's just general actual incompetence in the front office? They don't seem to have an issue spending money. I I don't see it being you know uh, an issue from you know get fans here. Do you know this is this feels like. Ownership wants to win. They want it to happen in a two-year window or a three-year window. So they recycle uh, VPs. They recycle general managers at a little quicker rate than the rest of the league. Um, occasionally, they'll hold on to somebody a little longer than they should. But if it doesn't seem to work in a couple of years, they bring in the next guy. They let him start putting his... Uh, you know, fingerprints on the team, and by the time they get any traction, he's out, the next guy's in, and the next guy is tearing down what they've done for the last two or three years, and it's just a big, vicious cycle for them right now. I just, I don't get it. I don't understand what they're doing. It finally seems like they're approaching a full rebuild, which they should do. They should be doing what the Coyotes are doing with Elias Pedersen as their Clayton Keller as their guy they're building around. And instead they're trading away picks to go further over the cap. They are currently over next year's cap already by a decent amount too. I think it's like 5 million. They need to trim salary. And then at this deadline, it sounds like they had multiple offers for Connor Garland, who is a guy that they're going to need to move to get under the cap again. They're talking about buying them out to do so. 
crying out loud. They had multiple offers for Connor Garland and turned them down because they didn't want picks back. They wanted uh, rosterable NHL players. Why? Trade him. Clear that salary. Get picks. Continue the rebuild. Just it, none of this makes sense. So now to even get below the salary cap floor or ceiling next year, before they can even sign somebody, they got to trade five million just to drop below the salary cap ceiling. What are they doing? I just, it is a complete mess. It is a dumpster fire, and nothing makes sense. But I know this is a subject because me and him talked before the podcast started. I know this is a subject Adam is definitely jumping at the bit to get into. So, Adam, take it away. All right. Vancouver fans, let me drop a little knowledge you're not going to get in college here. Your team sucks. Your organization sucks. Your owners suck. Keep yeah. Kelly's <laughs> name out of your fucking mouth when you start talking about us sucking. Because your team is beyond sucking. Your team is so fucking bad. I can't fucking believe it. I I, I can't stop swearing because this is just going to be a fucking rant here. You guys are fucking stupid. What the fuck? You're going to try to get fucking players? Why? It's not going to help you this year. You're not going to do nothing except get farther away from Bedard, who you desperately need. A hometown mode. Your homie. Your bestie. Your crime partner. Fuck it. You said, ah, Charlie, nah, we don't need that motherfucker because we're going to try to win right now with this fucking bullshit that we're trying to get in. You need the fucking picks, but do you want the picks? No, because you're stupid. You're fucking stupid. Just fucking wake up. Keep your name, our names out of your mouth because you got no room to talk. We're going to be there playing the fucking games that matter. We're going to be hosting cups. We're going to still be sitting there saying the same thing. Oh, fuck Arizona, they stack. And we're, we should be rebuilding, but we don't rebuild because our owner won't let us. Shut the hell up. Get that owner out of there if you can, which you're not. You know, kidnap him, lock him up against the head, make him see the light. Do what you got to do, but until that guy's gone, I don't care who you bring in there as your GM, he ain't going to do Guyana. The guys are a bunch of Chivalas, and you guys just suck. I also hey, one note, uh, the, legal team, the legal team does say to legally state that the Yotis does not in any way condone the capturing or harassment <laughs> of the owner of the Vancouver Canucks. <laughs> uh, anything else? Allegedly, yes. allegedly. Allegedly. allegedly kidnapping is anything else anything else okay perfect uh, also to say that um we he's a contractor big tortilla he is not an official so with that legalness out of the way matt what you got for us uh so i just want to let everybody know to keep an eye out for this week's poll it will be about who hates their least favorite team more is it big tortilla hating vancouver or is it tyler hating everything in canada <laughs> I don't hate everything in Canada. I like the beer. I will say, Molson Canadian does hit, especially during hockey games. So I'll give you a tip of the cap to that, Canadians. However, the Leafs. So. And always will. If they win this in the cup, I'll jump in a frozen lake. I'll fly up there and jump in a frozen lake. You go. With just my chonies on. I got you. But. Yeah. <laughs> I love I like the energy. <laughs> you like fishing? <laughs> Looks like a beautiful country. I've seen pictures. I've never been. But it looks beautiful up there. Can't get down on Poutino. I don't know. Gravy and curds? I don't know. That sounds kind of weird, but I'll try it. I won't knock that, until that, I try it, Granny. That, that's your mistake. That's your problem. I'll try I it. I said, I won't knock until I try it. I'll try it first. I won't 
say one way or the other, I'll say it doesn't appear appealing, but I will try it because I, I at least can do that for them. It won't do for our desert hockey, but I'll do it for them because I'm the bigger man here, as always. So, <laughs> Grandy, don't say anything. Remember the contract. Remember the contract. Legal team says remember the contract. <laughs> and also remember the potluck. So, <laughs> so then we have, uh, God, these names. Remember, I'm Garbrick just a guest. Uh, what's that? <laughs> I'm just a guest. <laughs> just a guest, exactly. Thank you. Legal team is giving me a thumbs up. I think we're good to go with the rest of the podcast. Excellent. So, <laughs> before we can take it off the air about the FC, <laughs> is, uh, is Gorkov called the Ben Chariot of 2023 with quick going to Vegas? And how bad do you want a Vegas LA series in round one? I will go on that one because I've just kind of been quarterbacking here. Um, LA, as we kind of talked about a bit on our emergency podcast, I don't know how much that was or what wasn't. Um, did him kind of dirty. I get it's a business, as you know, Haynes did put. But at the same time, it's like that's a franchise great. And as and he's shutting you out here, if we did that to Don't, I, I would feel the exact same way. It's like you know, you don't just do that to somebody. You you do call him and say, you know, it's not just like he's like a one year guy. You trade him. It was a franchise face, someone that could get a statue if you were to get one. You know. Anywho, but I think it's great that he went to Vegas. Kind of. Actually, I think it was you, Granny, that said he's going to go to Vegas. Someone, one of you said it. I don't remember who it was. Someone said going to Vegas would be funny if he did that. So whoever said that, you must have had a Nostradamus moment, whatever. I, I um, didn't say that. But yes, I do want that. That's really bad. It was you. So Granny Stradamus, um, that is your new name for the day. <laughs> um, so I, I like it. I want to see it. I want to see Jonathan Quick just absolutely, if I may uh, say a curse word, legal team. Give me a thumb. Uh, dick down the LA team in round one. So. <laughs> Matt, if you want to start and get us back to elegance and grace in this podcast. Uh, man, I'm I'm not usually the guy for that. Um, so <laughs> so Gavrikov reminds me a lot of Ben Sherratt last year, Montreal getting a first round pick for him. Um, I I don't know what team saw in Gavrikov, but I I think L.A. way overpaid. Um, I think it was, what, a first, a third, and quick for Gavrikov and Korpisalo. Korpisalo has been a backup all year. His numbers haven't been great. He's not necessarily the tipping point there. If you call quick and Gavr- uh, quick and Korpisalo, you know, just a, a one-for-one swap there, I think a lot of people would agree with that. A first and a third for Gavrikov, though, that's bad. I, I don't know what L.A. was doing. This is going to be... Very eye-opening um, in terms of Gavrikov's play and, and his lack of abilities, I should say. Um, you know, when it comes to them expecting him to play big minutes. So, if I may jump in here. What, and this is, goes back to the bench rock comparison. One of the most overrated thing is defensemen who block a absolute ton of shots because the reason they are blocking so many shots is that they are stuck in the defensive zone they can't get the puck out and that is exactly Gavrikov's problem he he blocks shots he sacrifices his body and he's pretty physical he's decently physical i wouldn't call him a physical defenseman but he's, he's decently physical but he gets hemmed in his own zones pretty often because he can't get the puck out. He has no puck moving skills, and Columbus doesn't have the partner to play with him that does. Um, 
he's not great positionally. He's not. There's nothing really wows me to his game. He's a good third pairing defenseman that can maybe step up and play second pairing if, if in the crunch if need be. But you have to have the right partner with him. I think they vastly overpaid and they didn't have to move that much more to just go and get Chikrin. Like, come on. Why not just pony up, pay the price, and actually bite the bullet to go out and get somebody of actual quality rather than dump a franchise legend on the Columbus Blue Jackets? Um, and for what it's worth, not just dump a franchise legend. Jonathan Quick did more for the Kings organization to win those cups than Dustin Brown ever did. Dustin Brown got a statue. Jonathan Quick got dumped unceremoniously on the Columbus Blue Jackets. After winning a game. Like, that's, well, that sucks, what are you? Dude. Yeah, just... Look, yeah, that was, that was reported to be business. one of like the most tense plane rides home. Oh, um, I bet. Anze Kopitar scores four goals in the game, and apparently he was like fuming after the game, hearing about Quick getting moved. That that plane ride had to be terrible for everyone involved. It, it, treat your franchise legends with respect. Once you win those cups, this is part of the price of winning those cups. It it sucks when it happens, but it is part of the price is paying those guys with respect. Not if he wants to get moved like Patrick Kane. The Chicago Blackhawks were stuck. They could have just said, you know what, Patrick Kane, we're not getting enough for you. We want you to retire with us. He wanted out. They did the right thing by trading him away to the only team he would accept a trade to. Treat your legends with respect after they've won you cups. Just that's all I gotta say. I just again. Makes me hate the Kings organization even more. I can't believe I'm sitting here on a soapbox defending Jonathan Quick of all people, but it'd be worse to be defending Brown. I'll never defend yeah, Justin, you'll, you'll, Justin Brown. Fuck him. Over, yeah, over my dead body. Just not gonna happen. Yeah. <laughs> well, I was gonna add just too, like free, free agents and players talk like this, and they see this stuff too, and they know, like, well, why I go to LA? Fuck. Fuck them, you know. What I mean, they're just gonna trade me away. What if they do it to me? You know, it, it it talks. It kills morale. It does. I mean, L.A. Yeah, you fucked up more than just you know. And yeah, Kopitar's numbers this year are better than Jonathan Quick's numbers. Again, there's no question about that. But this is his career best season, and he's a nine eleven save percentage. That's not exactly oh. stellar. There's not anything to write home about. Um, he's done it behind a really porous defense, but one of those really porous defensemen went with him. Like, come on. Just, I don't get this trade from LA's perspective. I don't get trading away this much for two UFAs and in the process, dumping your franchise legend. Um, but this is the amount of thought I want to give to the LA Kings. Done with them. So let's go kick it over to Adam. Oh, wait, actually, the legal team is giving me another piece of paper to read real quick. It says, um, also, to make sure that it is known that the Chirp and Yotes podcast does not condone loving the Kings and, in fact, hates them all. So, with that being said, thank you, legal team. Adam, the floor is yours. I just got told by my wife to be nice, so. 
Okay, so being the old guy here, who runs that team in LA? The legendary Bob James. Blake. Oh. oh, Bob Blake. The legend. Mr. King himself. So he knows what it means to be a king. And he's going to do that to another legend. That makes it a lot worse. It's that's oh. It just gets worse, uh, baby. Fuck you, LA. Your traffic is terrible. <laughs> that I'm is flying into LAX too in July, so be prepared me to shit on that statue. Allegedly, uh, this is a legal <laughs> joke. My goodness. Okay, legal teams that thumbs up. All right, we're good. But yeah, that is a cheap ass move mm-hmm. to do that to. I mean, I don't like quick, but you got to give it up to him. He's done it, and he's been there, and he's battled for your organization, good and bad, and you're just going to treat him like that? Mr. Rob Blake, Mr. King, you know what that organization is. That is a terrible, terrible thing. And hats off to Columbus for realizing what happened and then shipping him off to Vegas. I mean, oh, well... Uh, we're not in the Pacific anymore, so I did. <laughs> so it doesn't really affect us. But I mean, don't they play each other tonight? Uh, matter of uh, fact, I, I, I don't. I don't think so. I think they play towards the end of the year. I want to say April sixth, something like that. Tonight. One thing I do uh, want to ask no. that though is that uh, based on uh, mathematics, they are LA's most likely first round opponent. So, <laughs> tell me we don't all want to... Uh, I fucking I love math. I'm for Vegas, except in this one circumstance. Actually, matter of fact, I'll add this. If they if that is the first-round matchup, the Chirpin' Yotes will host a watch party on Discord. We will host it. We will watch together and watch <laughs> LA shit themselves in honor of the fucking that was Jonathan Quick. So, if you made it this far in the podcast, know that if they do make it, we are going to have a Discord watch party. I don't give a damn. We're doing it. Because I think that is uh, great. A Discord hate watch of the Kings. I'm all for That's it. it. That's it. Yes, again, the team gives thumbs up to that, so we're good. Again, I'm in the Wayback Machine getting the VCR and recording that one, too. <laughs> VCR? I put the VCR, Dad! <laughs> It's like the thing you put on top of the little eight track player, right? Same thing. It's always beaking 12. Wow, wow, wow. So now let's get to the part of the show where we talk about our Arizona Coyotes. Um, we've had a lot of trades. I mean, Jacob Trickman's gone. We did briefly touch on that the other night now during a storm recorded live uh, while on the road. Several of us were on the road that night. Um, and we also had a couple of small Nick Bukestead, all that stuff. So I guess, uh, Matt, I'm going to go ahead and start with you. Just give us a general kind of like, give me a grade if you can. I know it's stupid to grade, but just for the, the audience back home, what would you say? How well did we do this deadline? Um, I, I think they did better than a lot of people are going to give them credit for because there's a lot of people that undervalue or think the, the return for Jacob Chikrin was underwhelming. Um, I disagree with it because I, I don't see a scenario where Ottawa finishes better than the eighth wild card spot in the East and then gets absolutely shit rolled by Boston. So that pick is more than likely going to be 17 or lower. Um, my guess is probably going to be in the 10 to 14 range. That's to me, that's better than a, a very late first round in this year with a late first round 
in a very, eh, it's an okay draft in 2024. Um, additionally, what nobody else is really talking about is the second round pick in 2024 is Washington's, not not Ottawa's. Washington's going the wrong direction. That pick could very easily be low 40s, high 30s. That you know, you're you're eight picks maybe away from a late first rounder in that pick. Um, you know, value wise to me, I I think they got a lot more than people are going to give them credit for right now. Uh, in the in the Chickren deal. Um, additionally, we move Ghost to Carolina, 2026 third round pick, I believe. Little underwhelming on the return, but everybody's got to keep in mind we were paid a second and a seventh round pick to take him and then later trade him for a third round pick. Uh, Additionally, Bukestead going to Edmonton. Um, Part of that trade saw um, Mike Kesselring come back. He's actually going to make his debut tonight for the Coyotes. Uh, Craig Morgan announced that a couple hours ago. Uh, He led all, at the time of the trade, was leading all AHL defensemen in goals. Uh, I believe he's like 6'3", 6'4", big right shot defenseman. He's only 23 years old. Uh, You know, reminds me a lot of like an Ilya Labushkin type with a little better shot. So, see what we get out of him. A couple of small trades that happened close to the deadline or close to the end of the deadline here. Um, Brett Ritchie coming over in exchange for Nick Ritchie. Uh, it's the first time in NHL history that brothers have been traded for one another. Um, also in that deal, the Coyotes pick up Connor Mackey and send um, Troy Stetcher, I believe, uh, with Nick Ritchie to Calgary. I want to add real quick, just I meant to add this earlier, just when you said Craig Morgan, it just hit me. Uh, he also said that um, he's cleaned the house of all of our pending UFAs. Too, which is nice. Something just quick to add. I forgot to add that earlier. So that's great. So, Grandy. I'd have to give our trade deadline overall a solid B. The trick and trade trade, again, I kind of echo Matt's sentiments here because it's better than a lot of people are giving it credit for. I would much rather be picking. In, this pick is likely to be in the 8 to 15 range. That's where it's most likely to be. If they go on a run, the absolute worst case scenario is it gets, like Matt said, 17, the first team out of the playoffs because they're going up against the Buzzsaw Bruins. There's nothing about the Ottawa Senators that says, oh, hey, we can hang with the Bruins. They don't have stellar goals. They don't have a really good first line, but they don't have the depth to hang with them. Nothing about them says that they can hang with the Bruins in a seven-round playoff series. So that's the absolute worst-case scenario. More than likely, this is going to finish up somewhere in the 8 to 14 range, though. So we're there, and that's a whole tier of players that we've discussed multiple times on this pod. We really should get a pick in because there's really good players in that range here. This was the only way we were going to get that range. I would much rather have that than say the Bruins pick in 32, which has was mock traded. I need to the Bruins trip pick was mock traded to us. Um, and then a pick next year that would be in the late 20s. This was so much better return, but. 
So just don't focus on that. We didn't get two first round picks. The quality of the pick matters. And we got a great quality here. And something I mentioned to Adam before we started too, something that I think could be a real possibility is looking at Vancouver, they need to dump salary. They have a couple guys where their salary cap hit is greater than their uh, dollar amount, like a Tyler Myers, for instance. What's the chances of going up to Vancouver saying, hey, you want our 12th overall pick for your 8th overall pick, and we'll take on Tyler Myers as to get you below the cap ceiling so that you can start making moves to improve your team. I mean, there's just, it opens up so many possibilities, so many more uh, scenarios where we can do stuff like that to improve this team long-term for a guy who didn't want to be here. Um, it's just, the trade has gotten way too much grief. So I like that trade overall. It may not be the perfect return. It may not be the absolute most perfect return. But again, uh, when Detroit traded for Islanders pick, I immediately sent a text to Matt saying, hey, we should be going after this pick. This is the best possible pick we could get for Chikrin because I didn't think the Senators pick was going to be in play. So the Senators pick is a better pick than the Islanders pick, in my opinion. Maybe it's not by the time of the draft, but there's also no reports that Detroit was looking to trade for Chickering anyways. So it's just, it's worth, again, what's, no, go ahead, Matt. It's worth noting as of right now, when, when you talk about the Islanders pick and the Senators pick, the Islanders are currently sitting in a wild card spot and the Senators, uh, their best odds given by anybody right now is money puck at 36% to make the playoffs. Uh, and that that's best case in terms of odds by anybody. So, yeah, I'm I'm 100% with you on that. The the Ottawa pick makes a ton more sense than trying to finagle the pick away from Detroit. Um, Dom Lutrushin's model if has usually been the most accurate in predict, predicting playoff teams. And when they acquired Chikrin, their playoff percentage went from 8.4 to 8.8. They're not. They're not. Barring something nearly miraculous, they're not making the playoffs. It's just there's too many three point games coming up at the end of the year. We see this every year. A team gets hot, and oh, they're suddenly talks about making the playoffs, and they finish at the thirteenth worst team because there's so many three point games down the stretch as everyone's trying to get every single point they possibly can. Um. And so at, just, at the time of that model, too, I, I do remember seeing what you're talking about. Um, that was prior to Buffalo acquiring Jordan Greenway. That was prior to Pittsburgh acquiring Kulikov and Nick Bonino. Uh, so there, there's teams that they're competing with right there that are adding pieces as well, um, you know, within the last hour that are going to make them harder to surpass. I... I would take Buffalo, Pittsburgh, and the Islanders over Ottawa right now. Uh, I, the Islanders are in a weird place, but I, I still think they're they're a deep enough team. If Florida can figure it out, they're going to be hard to stay ahead of as well. So it, it's it really would be a tough test for Ottawa to make up ground right now. I think it's five points um, just to get into a wild card spot and. 
Got roughly 20 games left, and Ottawa has the fifth most difficult strength of schedule remaining um, of any team in the league. That's huge to try and overcome. Moving on to other trades. Like I said, I like this trade. I'd give this trade a B for us. But and that's but that's kind of what that and the Gossip Spare trade. Gossip Spare was underwhelming. You kind of hoped we would get more, but one thing you saw time and again this this trade deadline, cap is king. Cap space and money was king. You were getting more for the retention than uh, you were getting for the player at some of these trades late on. So not retaining on Gossip Spare did hurt the return slightly. And honestly, I'm okay with that because I really, really like the trade of from Bukestead. Getting a third-round pick and Kesselring, who I'd probably place a third-round value on coming back to us, is a really strong return for Bukestead. A guy who almost looked like he was done with himself. So... I'm really happy with that. It's again, it's sad to see all three of these guys go. They were all pillars of this team this year, and especially Bukestead and Gostas Bear really took to being on this team. So it's sad to see these guys go, but we got, we did very well with it. Um, and going back to Kesselring, though, what he reminds me of, I'm not talking play style, I'm not talking anything like that, but what uh, he reminds me of is. Kind of where Valamaki was last year, where he was so clearly too good to be in the AHL, but his team wasn't, or was trying to compete and wasn't going to put up with a young defenseman learning to play on their team, so he never had a chance of making it. Um, now, I'm not saying he's going to take the leak Valamaki did. I don't think anybody saw that coming, but I think he'll be a good, solid third, uh, third-pairing guy for us. But, uh, Adam, what do you have to say on our trades? I think I changed my mind because I was a high C. And now I'm kind of with you. I'm like a B to a B minus. Um, one thing I told my son, it doesn't matter what you value your players at. It's what they're willing to pay to get that player. So those people who, who are underwhelmed about the chicken trade, it's say like chale because that means you don't know what this draft is. I mean... Yeah, it's Connor Bedard, but there are other great players who I would not want to pass up on that could be on this team that would help this team win. And I'm ex- so excited about that. I mean, I even tweeted about it. If we don't change our our position and Ottawa doesn't change our position, we can get two really great offensive players, our really great D man. So I'm really excited about that. And, you know, that's what we've always said, right? It's how we build this team is to, through the draft and go forward. This is the perfect way to do it. So it's, we may say, oh, he was worth more, but again, it's what someone was willing to pay for. Like you said, that value from Ottawa, it was a lot more than from whatever other team was going to offer us. So, yeah, I'm totally happy with that. I'm not even worried about that. And with Shane Gosper, same thing, you know, should we have gotten more? Yeah, but it was what teams were willing to pay, and you know, it was it was free money. Uh, we're playing with house money at the time, so yeah. And then you know the way he left, you know, you never know what could happen down in the future. He could come back, you know, 
or you know maybe even just come back when his career is over as a coach and help out the younger kids. I mean, he loved it here. So I don't even trip it off of that. So yeah, um, Boogie. I, I just you know he was Boogie. I mean, you can't love that. You can't but help but love that guy. So uh, yeah, I don't know too much about about the guy we got back in return. So yeah, I'm gonna have to trust what you guys said. Um, but from what I'm hearing, it sounds great. So and then Cam Deneen, I loved it. Loved him when we drafted him, but he just he wasn't cutting it. You know, he he's going to be a, an emergency call up cut type of player. He's not going to be an everyday player. You know, that's just what he is. You know, and he was a nice piece. You know, and you know, who knows? Maybe it does turn on for him in Edmonton. And you know, but, you know, who could be mad at that? You know, young kid starting his career. So, I I think we're a solid B. I like the moves that we did. Um, we didn't lose anything, you know. We're in fact, we probably even gained a, a better shot at getting Bedard or our Ventilli. So, really, in the end, you know, you really can't complain. <laughs> in addition to you know everything that we just talked about, as far as players going out, picks coming back, the two things not mentioned. Uh, the third round pick for retaining 25% of Patrick Kane's contract. Um, that's that's great value right there. Um, Kane was owed, I believe, $6.9 million in real cash this year. Uh, by the time we got to the trade deadline, it was somewhere in the neighborhood of around $2 million. Um, with Chicago retaining half of that and us taking 25%, uh, the actual cost of us acquiring that third round pick in real dollars was right around seven hundred and twenty thousand, uh, which is very little. And then um, taking on uh, Jacob Voracek's contract to get a sixth round pick, it's been reported that his injury uh, is likely career ending, but the injury itself is fully insured. So the Coyotes really aren't coming out of pocket anything for that sixth round pick either. Um, when you add those two things in, um, you know, the, the Coyotes walked away with a cache of picks again this year. Backing up assets, kind of the point of the rebuild. And just to kind of piggyback on that rebuilding, you know, I, I see people are sad and even some confused, some I know a little more casual. And that's not a diss, that is not somehow, I don't mean that in a derogatory way. Being like, well, why aren't we getting better players? Why are we doing this? Well, you know, it sucks. You know, honestly, Losing Gosses Bear and a lot of the players that I liked a lot, it sucks. I know the future's worth it and all that stuff, but just know that it is valid to feel dejected, sad, distraught. If you want to take a little break with a little bit just because, you know, your hurt favorite player got traded, that's totally valid. So I want to give that little shout-out real quick to those guys out there because I, I feel it too. You know, when I saw all this, and then now people are like, oh, the Coyotes are taking on this fake money. Should something be done about that, first of all? It's in the CBA, not the Coyotes. Um, it's We played by the rules. We broke no rules, broke no law. Uh, don't like it. Well, hopefully the next CBA can fix it. That's not our problem. So, just wanted to add that quick aside. So before I think that's pretty much covered everything we wanted to really kind of talk about. So before we kind of real wrap quick, this up, I do, I do want to jump back in though real quick because there is one reported offer that did come out. Okay. Uh, it looks like this. This is for David to put notice of. Take it with a grain of salt, but there was a reported offer of Tobias Bjornfoot 
and a first this year and a first next year or 25. I can't remember that part for Chikrin. And I'd rather have the return we got. I, Bjornfurt's going to be a decent NHL player, but I see a third liner there, or third, third pairing guy, not minor, my bad. So, nothing to write home about there. You're talking two picks in the late 20s. I'd much rather have the pick 13 this year. It's just, don't get caught up in the two first. Just don't get caught up in that. Look at the actual value of where we're picking. You need so to get that's all I wanted like to add. Burger King Coke or McDonald's Coke at this rate. You know, everyone knows McDonald's Coke's the best Coke you can ever get on a dispensary. I don't care. Fight me. You know what I mean? So it's like that. I would give me the McDonald's Coke every single time. You know, those chicken fries are pretty good. I will say Burger King got them chicken fries on lock. But actually, one topic I did forget. My mistake. Nick Maltz. No, he has an audience. But do you think he didn't get moved? But do you think he is a piece that gets moved during the draft? I know we're having a draft special as well, which, you know, I'll get to that in a second. But what do you guys think about Schmaltz? How so real quick, before we before we start this, this is a debate, just so everyone is aware, this is a debate me and Matt have been having for probably, what, a year and a half, give or take? Um, off and on. So, but I'll, I want Matt to give his full argument first, and then I'll respond, and then you guys can chip in with whatever your thoughts is after that. All right, so I think there's an aspect here that gets overlooked way too frequently. Um, teams rebuilding, uh, you know, everybody says, we'll just strip it down to the core, add as many assets, bring in as many pieces, um, you know, do anything and everything you can, move out anybody who's not part of the future. Um, yeah, that that's one way to go about it. In a rebuild, when you've got 18, 19, 20-year-old players who are too good to be in juniors, too good to be in the NCAA like Logan Cooley, um, and these guys are coming into the NHL, if you want them to develop correctly, you have to put players around them who can put them in situations where they're going to develop some of their strengths. Um, we saw it with... I mean, we've seen it this season with Barrett Hayton. Um, Zach Cassian, Liam O'Brien... Um, you know, guys like that, they do nothing for a player's development, uh, especially on offense when they're chasing the game the entire time. Um, players have to be put in situations to develop skills. You can't learn them all at practice. Nick Schmaltz is one of the best players in the league at possession zone entries. Uh, he's an excellent playmaker. He's a solid finisher. Um, if you want a guy like Logan Cooley to come along quickly, having Schmaltz on his wing is a, a huge... Sorry about that. Is a huge advantage um, and a huge reason to keep him. I understand there's some real money concerns there. Um, as a fan, that's not really my concern um, in terms of what the assets coming back could be. Do I want to see the team pick up a late first rounder this year, maybe a couple of second round picks for him or something, as opposed to having him there helping develop guys like Dylan Gunther, uh, Logan Cooley, potentially 
you know, who knows what happens with the lottery this year. Would I like to see him here if Adam Fantilli is in the lineup? Absolutely. Matias Michelli has looked night and day better on the power play playing with, um, you know, guys like Keller, like Schmaltz, than he has at even strength playing with Bukestad. Um, nothing against Nick Bukestad. He served a great role, and there's there's a lot to be said about the culture that a veteran like Bukestad brings. But there's only so much that young players can learn from journeyman line mates. Um, my prime example of this is the New York Rangers. From 2017 to 2020, they picked in the top 10 four times. In 2017, it was um, Leas Anderson, who's now in L.A., never progressed in New York, uh, never got the, the requisite you know, top six minutes uh, or the opportunity. 2018, they take Kratzov, who's now in Vancouver, and in the couple of games he's played there has looked unbelievable. But New York basically told him, well, we want to keep you in the American League because we don't have a top six spot for you. Um, 2019, they take Kako, uh, Capo Kako second overall. His development there has been terrible. He's been stuck playing third and fourth line minutes not getting top six time, playing with journeyman line mates. Alex Lafreniere, supposed to be a franchise talent winger, gets put in the same situation. I I know maybe I'm dragging on a little bit here, but my point is you need players like Nick Schmaltz to help develop the young talent you have coming in because it's a lot to ask of a an 18 or a 19-year-old to drive play on their own. Um, yes, Clayton Keller's still here. Clayton Keller is probably the future captain of this team. He's going to be here for a long time, but you can't ask one player to do it by themselves. Um, I, I don't know that keeping Schmaltz for another year really hurts the tank all that much. I actually think that the potential for return a year from now, when at the start of 2024, the cap is suspected to jump about $4.5 a year, that's almost Schmaltz's entire cap hit. I think it becomes a lot easier to find a team that's willing to overpay for him just a little bit. I think it'd be a huge mistake trying to move him at draft day right now. If for no other reason than development of some of the guys coming up. Because let's be honest, this team's not going to be winning games with these young players in the lineup. So individual on-ice success goes a long way in player development. And that individual success doesn't happen if you don't have one or two good line mates to put around those guys. My problem with using the Rangers um, as a comparison is they had Kreider. They had Zabinijet. They had Panarin for most of that. They had Trauba. They had they had plenty of guys. In fact, that was almost a bigger issue is that they had too many of those types and these guys couldn't play in the top six and get the requisite minutes that they needed to grow. Um, they blocked so many of their prospects because Lafreniere is still on the third line because you're not going to play them over Kreider or uh, Panarin. Uh, and, and I do agree only... with that. Yeah, I do so, agree with that. I, I guess more what I was getting at was playing those guys with 
Brendan Lemieux and, you know, players of that nature, that doesn't help their development at all. Like, Caco 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 is not going to become a real NHL force if he's trying to adjust his game and he's developing his game to play well with you know a fourth line plug it it's not beneficial to you know his development and the reality is you want Kako and Lafreniere to be that guy more than you want Chris Kreider or Vincent Trocheck to be that guy um for a little while Jimmy VC saw top 6 minutes um uh Sammy Blay saw some top 6 minutes uh, not recently, but did. Um, those are those are major issues, and the reason I use New York, and this goes back to what we talked about in New York trying to get out of their own way, you know, in the playoffs, they do a terrible job of developing young guys because they don't put them in the correct situations and around the right players to make it work. So. I'm in favor of trading Nick Schmaltz personally. I think his value will never be higher. I think he could go for a late lottery mid-round first this year, in fact. There's so many teams looking to take that next step this year that I think there's a real chance that somebody will pay up that, plus a couple later picks uh, further down. Um, but I just I think, A, his value will never be higher. Two or B, I do think that that no trade clause. I it, teams that are going to be on his no trade clause aren't going to be the teams looking to trade for him more than likely. But teams still use that as leverage as hey, you can't even talk to these teams because so you got to take a lesser return from us that you can talk to. Um, but I think the development of these players, you still have Kraus, you still have Keller, you still have, um, he, we don't really have much on the back end that's going to be veterans, but you're going to, you're going to have to bring in some other guys for this. But Cooley's not going to be playing with Christian Fisher. He's going to be playing with Keller or Kraus or Michelli or Gunther. These guys are going to be playing with each other and growing with each other. It's going to be rough for a couple of years as we watch them take their bumps, but I don't know that keeping Schmaltz really does much other than block a top six role for one of these players. If you bring up all of, let's say we do get the, uh, a top three pick, so you're drafting, just throwing out there Adam Fantilli. You now have Adam Fantilli, Logan Cooley, Dylan Gunther, Matthias Michelli. So you're going to have next year just making the team. If we get a top three pick, you're going to have a Adam Fantilli, Connor Bedard. You're going to have a Dylan Gunther. You're going to have Matthias Michelli. You're going to have Logan Cooley. And who knows who else is even going to be fighting for a top six spot. That's four guys just right off the bat that are going to need top six minutes almost from the get-go. I just don't want to see these guys blocked because we didn't want to move Nick Schmaltz when his value was at the highest. We've seen the same thing happening with the Kings where they blocked their own prospects and you're seeing it take an effect on guys like Alex Turcotte and until this year, Quentin Byfield. Um, 
I just fear that blocking prospects from the minutes that they should get is just as destructive as not having the guys there to lead them. And again, Keller, Kraus, and he's not going to lead a play style, but in his off-ice mannerisms, Christian Fisher is one of those types of guys that players will look up to with that. You're going to have a good leadership with those three guys for them to look up to. And they're going to be playing with each other. It's going to be rough as we take the lumps again, which we've said for I for almost all year. Next year's still going to be rough because these guys will take their lumps together. I just don't want to see these guys get blocked from top six minutes and eased in the way Hayton was at the start of the year. If Hayton started the year playing between Schmaltz and Keller, maybe he hits his stride a lot sooner than he did when we were still trying to stick Boyd there. And that's exactly um, my point. You, you hit it exactly. Hayton should be there. He wasn't blocked by anybody who is deserving of being in the top six. Um, his development was definitely furthered this year by playing with better players. I, I don't see a scenario where Lawson Krause is driving play. Um, that's not a slight at Lawson Krause at all. I think he's a very important part of the future. But Lawson Krause's biggest asset um, is his size and his ability to finish. But he's not a play driver, not, not in the slightest. Right now we have two. We have Keller and we have Schmaltz. Um, if, if you want to add Michelli in that, you can add Michelli to that because I do think he drives play. But there's also Michelli's development. I mean, we're still talking about a 22-year-old who's a rookie this year. Um, I, I don't like the idea. I never have liked the idea of a team... Um, stripping down every good play. And, and you know, if we're talking about an earlier pick in this year's draft, then, yeah, maybe that's okay because you're really getting a good prospect. If we're talking about trading Schmaltz for a late 20s pick, an early 30s pick, um, you know, what are the odds you hit on that pick as opposed to having Schmaltz there to help with development? The reality is... There's a big if in the Coyotes getting a lottery pick to needing five top six spots in addition to Keller. Um, right now, I there's not enough players that are going to graduate to the team that need that. You might have Barrett Hayton, Logan Cooley, Dylan Gunther, Matthias Michelli, Clayton Keller, and Nick Schmaltz. That's your ideal top six. Lawson Kraus fits as a third-line winger, as a power play guy, as a penalty killer. Um, if you do the rebuild right, Lawson Krause is never going to be in your top six. Um, with any luck, he's not, because if he is playing top six minutes three or four years from now, you missed on a couple of picks. So even with Schmaltz there, I do think there's plenty of top six room uh, for the guys that they currently have here assuming they draft at six or seven or whatever. They get a guy like Nathan Smith, um, Zach Benson, uh, Oliver Moore. You know, those guys are still going to spend a year or two elsewhere. Um, I I think another year of Schmaltz is a real good thing. The other thing, the other thing that getting a pick this year does to me is 
we get a guy in two years versus a guy in four years if we trade him next year or three years if we trade him next year. Um, we just get that guy into the lineup sooner, whether it's a defenseman, which I think if we were to get a third lottery pick, we're taking one of the top defensemen in this year's draft. Um, but I just – the other thing that comes up too is he's going to be 30 when this contract comes up. I understand the thought of keeping him an extra year as these guys grow. And again, I'm I'm for trading him. I'm not saying we need to trade him at all costs. I'm just saying it makes sense to trade him at this draft. But just between his contract being up when he's 30 and looking at either signing him long-term again, which I think would be a mistake at that age, or trading him in or trading him at that deadline gives you a first that you're not going to see for six years from now, essentially, playing for this team. So, No, but if you go off of Armstrong's timeline, Armstrong's in the five- to six-year range for coming out of the rebuild. Um, yes, we do know it gets sped up if they, you know, if the lottery falls their way this year. Um, but, I, again, I, I don't think a, without knowing what pick you're getting back, uh, so trading him this year for an earlier first-round pick. If you can't do that, I I don't think you're you're looking at, you know, at pick 30, do we like somebody enough to move him off the team? And that was, that was something that Armstrong also talked about at the beginning of this year um, when he was on the PHNX podcast. He talked about... He was approached, um, you know, saying that, hey, you know, there were rumors about Nick Schmaltz being available. And he said, no, 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 he's he's a great player. We like him here. We have no intention of moving him. Um, I do think the team sees some value in that as well. And then there's some off-ice things there with Schmaltz as well. Of all the players that could have been at the Tempe Council meeting, it was Schmaltz, Keller, and Fisher. Um, Lawson Krauss wasn't there. Uh, JJ Moser wasn't there. Um, Michelli wasn't there. Dylan Gunther wasn't there. You know, these guys who were in town weren't at that meeting. What this, what Schmaltz is, has meant to the team on and off the ice, what he potentially means for the development of prospects. I think at some point, this is kind of like, I don't know if you guys remember. Five years ago, six years ago, maybe, um, Redeem Verbata, his last year here, he's got like 26 goals at the deadline. Nobody would offer a first-round pick for him, and the Coyotes chose to hold on to him because his value to the players that are around him and what he's able to instill on the guys around him outweigh what that pick might be. So I really do think you have to get an offer that absolutely blows you away to move Schmaltz because I, I do think the value outside of just, well, he helps win games, you know, him and Keller have chemistry, that sort of thing. I, I think there's a lot more value that's offered um, on a, on a much deeper level to a lot of the younger players. No. So me and Matt have now dominated this podcast for what, five, six, seven minutes. Um, I do want to hear your guys' thoughts on this. So Adam, why don't you uh why don't you kick it off and then we'll get to Tyler. 
Or did you want to go first, Tyler? Uh, I saw you raise matter. your hand there. I can go first, yeah. Okay. I can pop in. Oh. Honestly, go I, I got to go with Matt on this one. I think there's something to be said about mentorship and all that, so I just see Matt. I'd, yeah. I mean, I, but I also understand Granny, too. Definitely, you know, it is good to get the capital, but I think at this point, with this kind of being like our big tank draft, I think this would be time to get the mentorship. So that's all we had to say about that. And just real quick before you jump in, Adam, um, in addition to what you were talking about with adding capital, we made seven selections in the first three rounds last year. They've got 22 picks in the first three rounds over the next three years as well. Um, I don't see this as being like a Philadelphia situation where they're starved for draft capital and you move a piece like Schmaltz because you need that draft capital. I don't think that capital is in need right now. Kind of past that phase too. We kind of made up for, at least I'll say, made up for uh, what? What's his name? I remember the guy's name. Uh, old GM. It just escaped me. Um, uh, John Chica. Thank you. Just totally escaped. I forgot about that guy. He's the boogeyman of my dreams. Yeah, that guy sucks. Um, <laughs> if he is listening to this, just know you suck. Um, but yes, yeah, so I, I think yeah, the mentorship is definitely more important at the, at the stage that we're going into. I think the mentorship and having that. And I think he's a fan, fairly fan favorite, I guess. So that's also something to be said for, too. But uh, go ahead, Adam. Uh, yeah, I like the mentorship. Um, we will never know what impact having Kessel here did for uh, Keller. Um, he probably learned a lot from him. And the knowledge that uh, Schmaltz has that they're not going to get in college passing on to the young guys is going to be huge as far as the you know unless they give us something really big come trade deadline i don't see moving them and we can also pick up other assets um in other ways i mean i heard a report where toronto was thinking about moving their first for two seconds and we could do that we have the capital to do that so, but then again, that's if, if uh, Dubis is still there. <laughs> uh, so, I mean, we we could you could we can get the assets without trading uh, Schmaltz away. I'd rather have Schmaltz. Um, you still need uh, names to put in the seats as these guys learn. I mean, so yeah, I I'd rather have the experience and passing it on than uh, than the than the picks. Um, we're going to get high quality picks as it is. Uh, from what I've heard uh, from the a couple of shows that I listened to, uh, the 2024 draft uh, may not be as bad as everyone thinks it, it, it will be and may actually turn out to be a pretty good one. So we got a lot of picks there too. So we definitely have the capital to move forward. Um, we need, you know, I think it was Fish that said that the experience he learned from watching Donor was was uh, huge on his life. I know he doesn't play here anymore, but um, oh, what's his name? Christian Dvorak. <laughs> uh, I have a feeling you yeah, and I are on the same page here, Christian Dvorak. You're talking about yeah, him following along with Don as well. Yeah, but also uh, he was a killer D. Uh, plays oh. for Florida. Uh, Duclair, uh, Anthony Duclair. Duclair. He also said that uh, having a uh, donor was a huge impact on his life. 
and that he learned a lot from him. So having uh, Schmaltz, uh, who is a quiet guy, but a, a lock, good locker room guy, and he loves it here too, so you can't pass all that up. I mean, that that's uh, you need that as well. Uh, and I think uh, uh, Bill Armstrong knows that. So I, unless you get a package at the deadline that is like huge that you just be draft. stupid to pass up. Yeah, at the draft, sorry. Thank you. At the draft, if it's something huge, then yeah, you got to take it. But I'd rather have him here. That was one thing with my my argument is I'm not saying we need to trade him at all costs. By no means am I saying we need to trade him at all costs. Uh, It's just one of those things. I do think there's going to be picks like that available should you... Excuse me. Should you shop? Should you shop him around at the draft? So that's where that's where my line. Of- yeah, shopping and moving aren't shopping and moving aren't quite you know the same thing in that sense. I I do think the offer has to blow you away though. Um, again, I'm not totally biased against him moving. I I'd, I'd be okay with it if the return is huge. I understand the reasoning for it, you know, the age and all that. And yeah, I agree with all that, you know. But I understand you guys. No one here is saying we want to move him. You know, it sounds like it's, it's like if it is, it is. But I'd rather keep him. <laughs> no, and if we had moved him at the deadline, I would uh, personally, I wouldn't have been happy because we got to have some reason to watch these games. We have to have some reason to watch yeah. these games. And my whole argument lies in knowing where we pick with when we trade him. Like with the, the chicken trade, we don't know we can have a good guess, but we don't know where we're going to pick. And nobody was giving up a pick like that for Schmaltz at the deadline. It's a lot easier to do that at the draft when you see, hey, we have a young up-and-coming team. We just need that veteran piece to take us over the next next uh, hump. So, um, But again, if we don't move him at the draft, I'm not going to be devastated. I love watching Schmaltz. He's become one of my favorite players. It's just, I see where it makes sense, and I would be all for moving it, because I think getting the assets now versus in three, four years, or letting him walk for nothing in three, four years, I think it just helps us out that much more. That's all. Yeah, I... I don't disagree with any of that. Um, I don't see him at any point walking for nothing. Um, you know, even if they have to trade him at the deadline in the last year of his contract, um, uh, he's he's going to have value in the league for a long time. This isn't like he's had one great season and he's on everybody's radar at 26 years old and it's an outlier. So he's going to have value. I would imagine at some point he will get traded. Um, he's not going to walk from here in free agency. I, my argument isn't that he shouldn't be traded. It's that he shouldn't be traded yet. Um, I think another season and a half of Schmaltz, especially knowing that Cooley and Gunther are both probably going to be full-time NHL players next year, I think that's important. I think it's very important to have at least two guys in Keller and Schmaltz um, to help with the development of, of Cooley, Gunther, and Michelli. And Hayton, honestly. Uh, you know, Hayton's, 
Hayton's the, kind of the forgotten guy here because of his age. Um, a lot of people have already written him off, but he's got 10 goals, 20 points in his last 28 games. Um, you know, what playing with Schmaltz and Keller's done for his career trajectory is is very noteworthy there. And I wouldn't trade, you know, Schmaltz for a first-round pick if it means that, you know, we stunt Hayton's development all over again. It's been another thing we're in, Another thing we are in agreement on, too, I did want to point out. I was using him as a top-six player over the next couple of years, but... When we get to that competing time, Kraus is absolutely a third-line player. He'll be a hell of a third-line player. Oh, yeah. But he is absolutely. going to be a third-line player on that team. Is that it, boys? Yeah, I think, think that's that's yeah. I think that's it. No, that's, that was a solid two-hour show there. Yeah. yeah. It was. Our deadline special. We'll also do one similar on the draft day. It'll be something similar. I don't know. We haven't hammered out the details. We'll work on that in the next couple of months, obviously. But... Definitely got that. So look out for that if you're still here. Yeah, look out for that. So. so that's it, boys. I think we can wrap this thing up. Are you ready to go? Yeah. Uh, we're ready. All right. Cool. Well, thank you all for listening, especially if you listened this far. We appreciate it. Um, and we look forward to seeing you probably next week. I think we'll have a normal show, a uh, normal length, normal show next week. Uh, until then, see you next uh, time. And don't forget, before, uh, before we mm-hmm. log off, don't forget... Check out Tempe Wins. Make sure you check out what they're doing, and don't forget to vote come May. That's right. It's coming up. Okay. If that's it, then we'll go ahead and sign off. See you guys next time.